Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self podcast with Dr. Heidi Forbes Esta. My name is Michael Neely, and I'm joining you today from Santa Cruz, California. Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome, Michael Neely. Today is the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, and we've got Michael Neely joining us to share his ideas around consciously speaking and his other work with Buy This, Not That, letting us know where we're at with technology and all the great stuff that goes around it. Thank you for joining us, Michael. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, Heidi. Thanks for having me. So let, let me tell you a little bit about Michael. Uh, Michael Neely is a former professional actor and medieval knight turned author, speaker, and host of the podcast, Consciously Speaking, and by this, not that, and a personal development coach. His passion is waking people up, and he does it by coaching heart-centered entrepreneurs in finding their gift, growing their voice, and stepping into the spotlight in a big way. Michael's a mindset master and certified Dharma teacher who mentors people in podcasting, hosting their own summit, social media marketing, and growing their audience. If you have a message or a gift itching to get out, Michael's your guy. I can contest to that because Michael's helped me in my way, too. You can learn more about him at his website, www.michaelneely.com, and sign up for a discovery session. You will find the link in the show notes. And so let's get going with our chat, and we look forward to hearing what you got to say. Heidi, it sounds so great when you read it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Make me sound better than I think I am. <laughs> well, you are pretty awesome, and I have to say. You've been enormously helpful for me in really understanding how this whole world of podcasting works. So very grateful for, for you and your knowledge and wisdom and your willingness to pass it on. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And you're right, man. It is an interesting beast, this technological aspect of podcasting, because there's so many elements to it. Actually, on that note, I would love for you to share a little bit about your experience and your journey coming into deciding to use podcasting as a tool for you to reach your audience. Yeah, it's uh, it was an interesting roundabout way that it came into existence. It kind of two issues were happening at the same time. One is that I had been working on a book idea for many years, and I was approached by a publisher and they said, oh, this book sounds very interesting. We're, we'd love to consider it for publication. Here's our acquisitions questionnaire. Please fill this out and get it back to us. So as I'm reading through the questionnaire, I was seeing questions like, how big is your Facebook following? And how big is your mailing list? And how many fans do you have on Twitter and Instagram? And, and it made me start to realize, wait a minute, what they want to know is how many books can I sell of my own book? how big is my audience that is going to help to bring in the money for them? And so it made me realize, wow, if I'm really going to get a good publisher, I'm, I'm really going to need to grow my audience. And at about the same time, I was doing some work with a client and we were having some great aha moments and a lot of breakthroughs for him. And I said, do you mind if I record the session? He was totally cool with it. So we recorded it. And at the end, we played it back. And he said to me, this sounds really good. You ought to start a podcast. And Heidi, at this point, I didn't even know what a podcast was. 
I really, I'd known the word, of course, but I'd never listened to one in my life. Didn't even know how they worked, really. But I, I took it to heart and I set about learning real quickly about podcasting. And two weeks later, I launched my show. And for the multiple purpose, growing my audience to be able to help promote the book and get a better publisher. And then also, you know, just loving what I do about teaching and spreading the message to the world. So it's kind of evolved from there. That's awesome. And as we've seen in this great network of people in the podcast world, it's a great way to hear about what other people are doing too. And um, it's just, it seems like a really powerful community for sharing stories and knowledge and storytelling and really taking advantage of the technology that's available to us today. It really is. And one of the great things about it is I think it's one of the last frontiers that is easily available to everybody, you know, especially in this world of media where it's all the big networks. It just you, you couldn't get a TV show out there without the support of a big network, really. I mean, yeah, there's, you know, local broadcast type stuff, but podcasting is still very much an independent medium that anyone can you know, if they've got a message, they can start up a show and get it out to the world and actually get an audience and grow it. So it's phenomenal in that respect. Yeah. How do you feel your relationship with technology affected your ability to do podcasting? Because obviously you had to learn some of the, the physical mechanical tools and the, the devices, but there's also a lot on the back end that people who are listening don't really have to experience. Fortunately, they just get to pop it in their ears and, and listen and go for their walk. You know, for me, fortunately, I've always been relatively computer savvy over, over time. I just taught myself. I was one of the early computer adopters. I remember, you know, buying a compu uh, first computer back when 40 megabytes was the size of your hard drive. <laughs> yeah. You know, can you believe it? And so I was an early, early adopter of computers, the PC. And that made things a little bit easier. But then, the, you know, podcasting was a whole new realm of, things I had to learn how to do editing software and how to, you know, use other uh, software services for automating some of my processes like social media and everything else. So there was still a learning curve for sure, but there's so much that gets done that I could not even begin to tap into without, you know, some technological part, some of this digital support. Well, you know, when you talk about it, you sound like you're pretty appreciative of the value that it's provided for you. And and maybe that comes from your your ability to be very conscious about your behaviors. Do you have any kind of a gratitude practice with your technology? Yeah, that's a really good question. I, you know, and it makes me think, ah, really, do I don't. Because I think it's one of those kind of things. It's like when you get sick, you you really go, oh, my God, I would give anything to just be healthy again, to not have this cough. And then when you're healthy, you start to take it for granted. You know, you wake up feeling fine. You don't really notice it. It's only when you get sick. And so similar for me with technology, Heidi, is I noticed that the only time I really have any feelings towards it is when it's breaking down, you know, like my computer's jamming up or something. And then I'm, I just get upset. So, no, I, I and I really should because it really does make my life so much easier. I should appreciate it more. Yeah. So do you think that would impact your ability to be productive and you know, when, when things go wrong, do you have a tendency to blame it on the technology or do you acknowledge your own role in that? Uh, I'll frequently acknowledge my own role in it. And 
you know, as you just asked that question, I thought a little bit more. I was working with a client the other day and and I do appreciate the technology. And it reminded me of something that there is a, a software that I use. And I don't know if you want me to mention sure. that particular one or not, but Entreport is one of my favorite technology tools that I use. It's my CRM, but it's like a CRM on steroids. It does mm-hmm. all types of things for me. And I was working with a client teaching him about Entreport and the benefits and how to use it. And and I kept saying over and over again, I love this technology, you know, because I do so appreciate what it allows me to accomplish in an automated way that frees up my time then for other stuff. So it's really yeah, awesome. So you may not think of it as a gratitude practice, but it sounds like you do actually take the time to recognize the value that it's provided. Yeah, yeah. And in a way, you know, I, I'm not necessarily saying you need to stop and be like, okay, here's a moment that I need to write down everything I'm grateful for with technology. But <laughs> If we don't recognize that that's a positive behavior, sometimes we need to we need to actively take that step to be grateful. Yeah, for sure. And, I, you know, I'm also recalling the last time I was very upset at my computer for you know not moving as quickly as I wanted to. Every now and then when I get upset, I also then think to myself, a thought comes to the surface of. Yeah. And still, even when it's slow, it's so much faster than I could get things done manually. Exactly. Can you remember doing things manually? Oh, God. Oh, my. Yes. It's amazing that we ever did. You know, I'll tell you a very funny story. So talk about early technology. When I was in middle school, the teachers in math told us we needed to get a calculator. And my father, who was an old investment banker, gave me a slide rule. Oh my goodness. And said, this will do you fine. This is what I used in school. You don't need a calculator. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Needless to I say, had... my mother was a little more sympathetic and gave in. But I did have to learn how to use the slide rule first. Well, um, you think you're old, Heidi. My dad gave me an abacus. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but seriously, I mean... And, and, you know, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm not young, but I'm not old either. I mean, there's so much that has happened in such a short span of time in sort of the, you know, the history of the world and whatever. Sometimes we forget how much we've accomplished and gained in such a short period of time. So it's um, pretty powerful stuff. Absolutely. And it still keeps growing by leaps and bounds. It's hard to keep up with it. Absolutely. Do you have any stories or anything that you can recall in terms of, because you deliver some of your products and services online, whether it's through Zoom and through various other means, and obviously the podcasting is delivered through technology, where you've experienced or observed your client's relationship with technology, either inhibiting or supporting their ability to really fully engage with whatever the content or the impact of what you are intending to deliver. Yeah, I think that happens rather frequently still because in this day and age as we're moving more and more away from desktop and laptop into our mobile devices that there's something getting a little bit lost still in the mix in the translation. So I have frequently will have people who say, I'm trying to get access to this from my phone and I can't get it to it and it's just not you know showing up properly. So yeah, I have that occur frequently and it it again it means that on my end I need to work more to make sure that my technology is up to date and adaptable to these different delivery mediums. Yeah. And I mean that's always it's always a challenge because it's going to be constantly evolving. But I think that it does make a big difference. I mean, 
I was looking at uh, revising my website the other day and, and realized that the platform that I had chosen or the theme that I had chosen wasn't very mobile friendly. Well, at the time, it was the most mobile friendly that existed. It's just that I haven't updated it in a while because I've been focusing on other things. Oh, my goodness. Talk about not walking your own talk. But I think most people, as you say, do consume things on mobile devices, whether it's a tablet or, or a smartphone these days. So it's something that's really important for us to take into consideration when we're delivering programs and services, whether it has a good mobile component to it. And then that user interface is something that, that works well for people. It's not too Absolutely. Confusing. Yeah. And even podcasts like yours and mine is that, you know, we have to think of constantly, how is it being consumed? How are our listeners devouring this? Are they listening in their car? Are they listening while they're jogging, you know, through their earbuds? So it, it makes you more cognizant when you think of the end user experience of how you need to then deliver. Mm-hmm. And that's changing too. So. Yeah. On the sort of the theme of the digital self, we're really ultimately trying to find technologies that fit seamlessly into our work and our lives so that they support us and enhance our capabilities and our ability to have the impact rather than disrupt. So you've got this great podcast that's going to be coming out, I believe you said in January, uh, Uh, that's called Buy This, Not That. Have you, in your research for that and talking to people, preparation for that, have you come across any technologies that you feel like would really uh, just you're excited that those are going to fit really well into supporting people's ability to really be their best digital self? Yeah. You know, I I come across constant ideas for new technologies and a couple of them that I'd like to highlight and mention. And, uh, you know, even though the show will launch in January, I'm not sure when these particular episodes might make it to air, but it's a timing issue. But one of the things that I think is super cool is and this has been developed by a friend of mine here in Santa Cruz is a, an app called Focuster. And I started using it myself and then I interviewed him for my show. And it is a really awesome application that kind of combines with your calendar and your to-do list, but makes it in a way that's super easy. Like it's one of those things that if you, you have a, a thing in your calendar, let me just give you an example uh, of today, I'm going to edit my next episode. Well, if I don't do it and check that off, it carries it forward to tomorrow automatically for me. And it fits it in with whatever's available tomorrow. And then that spot will come up. Here's 4 p.m. This is when we could fit it in. Now edit that episode that you've been talking about. So Mm -hmm. that's really cool feature of it. It's got a lot of other cool whistles and bells, but that's just one for sure that I think is awesome as far as, you know, a technology that helps me to be more productive. And then another thing is, uh, well, and part of why, let me sidetrack here. Part of why I developed the podcast in the first place was, I coach entrepreneurs on how to grow their business and grow their audience. And so I was constantly being asked the same questions over and over again, like what's the best webinar platform or what's the best, you know, mailing service. And so I decided to review these different things because what's best is always subjective. It may be different from person to person, but if I did these reviews of these technologies and put them all on a show, then people could easily access that and make up their choices for themselves. So that in mind, one of the other elements that comes into play with that is how to use the technologies, kind of like comparatively even with what you do with the evolving digital self. But also one of the platforms that we talk about is online training courses. And so there are different platforms to host it. And then there are also different people who teach ways to build your online course. But a missing link from that is how do you increase the completions, the success rate 
of the people who signed up for these courses. Because mm -hmm. truth is, I think the ratio is less than 12% actually will complete it and have any success with it. And this one person that I interviewed recently and will be aired in, as one of these episodes has a software application that actually is an accountability piece that allows you to build in some a better success ratio. So this is just a couple of the really cool things that are going to be exposed in the show that I think are super valuable. Yeah, I mean, that, that accountability piece is, is really powerful. And I wonder, is there a way to recognize in there whether it's personal accountability or whether it is technical issues, for example, or, you know, lack of comfort with the, you know, to understand why the attrition is occurring, I think would be really powerful. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious about that. And I look forward to talking to you more about it in, in the future once you've had a chance to play with it a little bit. Does that have a name? Is it launched yet? Or is that something? Uh, it, it's actually at the time that we're talking right now, his program hasn't even launched yet. But okay. in, in our uh, chat, he said it's got about 30 days out. So by the time this goes live, by the Great. time people are listening to our voices right now, and yeah. his, his uh, stuff should be live and ready to go. And, you know, it's interesting you, you alluded to a little piece of that of, about whether it is our fault or the technology's fault, the accountability piece. He mentioned something in the interview that he said that highly successful billionaires and stuff, they may not necessarily you know, need this accountability factor. There are certain people who hold ourselves self-accountable and will be successful regardless. But I think that is the minority mm -hmm. that for the most part, we do need an element of being held accountable, whether it is someone else, mm -hmm. which I think is valuable too, but also there is technology that help us to be accountable too. So I think it's a combination, mm -hmm. but we need to set those structures in place. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that that's uh that's so vital to us, really just understanding how we move in the world and how we engage with things. So part of the, the digital self piece is really where are we accountable for that relationship? And when things go wrong, you know, as we talked about before, um, is it because of something we did or is it because of, you know, a failure in the technology? Which, as we said, it's moving so fast. There are going to be glitches and things that go wrong. But think about all the things that have gone right. We don't take yeah. those into account. It's very easy to complain. You know, until things go wrong, we don't even think about how wonderful things are. Right? Yeah. Well, and, and as a parent, you know, we, we both have children and sometimes we're we could be upset. Well, I don't know where they are. Why didn't they call me while they're on the road? Well, the truth is back in the day, I mean, you they would have had to pull over and find a payphone somewhere to call home. So, yeah, our expectations evolve as the technology makes us more connected. And so we do sometimes have to just take a pause and go just be thankful that, hey, you know, most of the time their phone is fully charged and they can reach me. Yeah. Well, and sometimes no good, no news is good news. They're okay. True. <laughs> right? Yeah, very true. <laughs> Turn off the worry. Exactly. And if they're not calling you when they're driving, that's a good thing because well, they should be focusing on driving, right? Ab absolutely. And speaking of that, this is it's so interesting because I just, with the new iOS version that's out, there's this new driving thing that mm -hmm. keeps me from being able to text out or text coming in while I'm driving to distract me. And so I'm so excited for that because as my son's getting ready to get his driver's license and get behind the wheel, I'm like, okay, thank goodness there's going to be this extra little protection. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, you know, to, to that note, I think it's quite interesting. I mean, we, Michael, you and I both have teens and, and I think that there's a, an interesting 
thing around their relationship with technology. I find when I'm observing, yes, they love their technology and it is very much integrated into the way that they engage with others and the way that they, you know, they do their homework, everything. And yet I, I observe them when they're sitting down with friends for a meal, they'll all throw the phones into the middle of the table. And it's sort of rude for someone to pick up the phone. And whereas I observe my peers, you know, we're all in our sort of mid fifties around that. And everybody's got their nose in their phones, but yet we're the parents saying, put your phone down. (laughs) So I think there's some interesting observations we can make of ourselves. And maybe some of those tools are not necessarily, although we think they're designed for the next generation, maybe they're actually designed for us. Yeah. And it's so interesting you say that too, Heidi, because it's, it just makes me think of also the evolution of the camera aspect of the phone. It's like that phone should not be out at the dinner table unless you're taking a picture of your food, in which case it's okay. <laughs> it's yeah, so well, funny. the same thing being out on a hike. You know, I went on a hike uh, yesterday with a friend of mine visiting from Singapore and I wore my Apple watch because I was like, well, you know, if I get a call, I can answer the call, but I don't need my phone. You know, I don't even have a pocket. But I, we got up to this beautiful vista point, and I thought, oh, this is so sad. I can't take a picture of my friend who's visiting. And, of course, she had her phone with her, so it was fine. We took a picture together. But it, it's become so integrated with, you know, we, we look at these shortcuts to take it away so that we don't have this distraction. And yet then I not only don't have my phone, but I don't have my camera, which there may be a moment that I want to capture. You know, and I could, we could have been on Strava or one of the other wonderful apps that can track our movement and, and our uh, physiological response to the hike and where we are. So there's so many other different aspects to it. Yeah. And when you talk about evolution of technology as well, it's like back in, it wasn't that long ago, maybe even 20, 30 years, where cameras were large. You didn't pack those around with you. And even if you had the littler compact cameras, Still, it wasn't something that you just took with you all the time. And so it's really just shifted even the way we're capturing moments of our lives today. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. And although we may not print them out very often, we share them with more people. True. We don't sit in a photo album and a coffee table. (laughs) Instead, they're shared with all of our friends who, because we are connected virtually, are maybe spread all over the planet, which, you know, you can either look at as a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, as a a former global nomad expat, I love that because it's kept me connected with so many wonderful people that I probably would have lost touch with otherwise. And I was an avid letter writer many years ago, but Mm. I don't even have the mailing address for most of the people now. Right. Yeah. So around your work with consciousness and, you know, sort of integrating that into sort of delivering a change of mindset using podcasting or using uh, your coaching, do you feel that technology plays a positive or a negative role in that? What's your relationship there? Yeah, I think it's kind of a double-edged sword. And as with any particular type of either technology or anything that we consume, there is a balance. So on the positive side, I mean, I have an app on my phone that's a meditation timer, you know? So if I want to meditate, I pop this out and it times my meditation. And what's really cool about it, you know, you talk about being connected. It also connects with other people. It'll tell me who's meditating at the same time as I am. And if I become friends with people connecting in this app, you know, we could do meditations together if we wanted to around the world. And so that's pretty cool. 
And it is a way of bringing consciousness as supported through technology into kind of an, an everyday way of life. Mm -hmm. Now, on the reverse of that, I think sometimes we get too caught up to where we can't disconnect from our phone uh, or any other form of technology, really. And I think it's good for us to get that balance to really sometimes leave the phone at home like you did. Or I, I have a friend of mine who actually uh, schedules into his calendar no electronics time. Mm -hmm. And literally then it's even to the point of no television, no cell phones, no laptop, computer, anything. It's all off for this little bit of time. And it mm -hmm. doesn't have to be a big window, but just to disconnect from it all, I think is a good balance. And so it's, it's just a matter of finding what works for you and meeting that nice little middle ground. Yeah. No, that's great. And that's really, that's part of that accountability piece and sort of recognizing that, you know, we are in charge. We, you know, we can choose to be on or off and we can choose to share that consciousness moment or do it by ourselves or go for a walk and be completely offline. Now, I think there, there's a lot of power in that. Do you have any, being a behavior science geek, I, I love learning what different tricks people use in order to find the greatest balance in their households, whether it's in our house, we have a docking station. So if you're trying to reach me in the evening, you know, and I'm home, it's not going to happen because you can text me and it'll ping to my watch, but I dock my phone when I walk in the house. And it's most of the time on silent more because I forget to turn it off. And usually when I'm out, I'm in a place where I don't want it ringing. We use a, a docking station for the entire family. And that way the phones are always charged and ready to go when you go out the door. But when you're in the house, you're engaging with people face to face. Um, nice. Do you have any tools like that that you use either in your personal or your professional life that help you make sure that you are balanced and your behavior around technology is fluid? I don't have anything set up like that for the phone because it is such a big part of my business. And as a solopreneur, I, I feel like I'm almost always on call to a certain degree. And then as a father, too, it's like I want to you know, keep access to me for in case my son needs to get a hold of me for anything. But there is a tool that I use when I'm sitting at my desktop, and that is the Enzo clock. And I don't know if you're familiar with this no. little handheld, uh, tiny little disc of a clock. It's E-N-S-O. And I like the Enzo because it's got a really cool feature that has three programmable timers on it. And so on my clock, I have one of them is set to 45 minutes, another set to 30 minutes, and one set to five minutes. And so what I'll do is you may have heard of the Pomodoro technique as far as a, a working technique that helps you improve your productivity by working in segments. Mm -hmm. And so I'll set the 30 minute timer and I will say, okay, during this 30 minute block, I'm going to focus on getting this aspect done, this part of my job done. Mm -hmm. And no other things can interfere during that 30 minutes. So I set the timer and at the end of those 30 minutes, I set the five minute timer to start and I use that time to get up breathe, move around a little bit, get a glass of water. Sometimes I'll even lay down and just keep my feet up for a short little micro nap. Mm -hmm. And then that timer goes off and then boom, I set, what am I going to do for the next 30 to 45 minute block? And so I love my little clock for doing just little like timer a great things tool. Like yeah, it's yeah. awesome. And it, it keeps me from getting too much eye strain at the computer and sitting too long. You know, it's our, our big bane of society today is we just sit oh, way yeah. too long. Yeah. Sitting is far more toxic than computers, if you ask me. For sure. Yeah. Do you have any recommendations for the people out there on the best ways for them to integrate conscious engagement with technology to really promote 
their business and their ability to really have the biggest impact. What would you recommend for them? I would say use your technology, kind of like what I do with the clock, because that is another piece of technology, you know, but you can use it on your phone. Set a little timer on your phone or set daily reminders. I actually have a couple programmed into my phone because I'm also doing this uh, process called intermittent fasting, where I only eat every 24 hour period. I only have a window of eight hours in which I eat. And that is between noon and 8 p.m. So at noon, the alarm goes off and I know, okay, I can begin my eating period. And then at 8 p.m., it goes off and I go, don't eat anything after 8. And we could set stuff like this in our phone to remind us of anything that we want. And so I'd suggest using your technology to bring you back to consciousness. Maybe your technology just pings you to say, hey, remember to breathe. Remember who you are. Remember to be present. Whatever that reminder might be. The technology can support you in reminding you. I think that's wonderful. And and I would add to that, there's something that is, you know, muscular and also neurological when we smile. Mm. And sometimes that reminder is to breathe. And sometimes that reminder, if we just train our smiling muscles, which will actually send messages to our brain, and just during that pause, take a moment to smile, and you're going to feel a lot better. Because uh, yeah. sometimes when we sit in front of the computer, I mean, I'm, you know, a perfect example of this and that I've got these deep grooves between <laughs> my eyes that have been there forever. I can't even remember that, you know, when they appeared, but I've spent clearly too many years in front of a screen, but I also have smile lines to accompany them. And I think that if we remember to train those muscles, we also train our brains to counter it, Brilliant. just being more conscious about who we are and how we are in the world And using technology to support that is great. Yeah, thank you for that. So thank you so much for joining us today. And I loved what you have to share. And I'm really excited for your new podcast. love your current podcast, but I'm really excited for the new one because as a new podcaster myself, I've learned so much from you already. And I think that there's so many great things out there for us to test and play with. And sometimes it can be confusing and overwhelming uh, when you first get started or even when you've been doing it for a while and you know it's time to make some changes because whatever you got is not really working anymore. So we will definitely stay tuned for that and make sure that we will put the link in the bottom of the, the show notes. And actually, you had a great uh, gift that you wanted to share with our guests. What was that? You want to tell us a little bit about that before we sign off? Yeah. So if anybody is interested in learning to podcast themselves, I mean, like I said, it is a a growing medium where you can get your message out to the world. And just like Heidi's doing here right now and just like on my shows. So if you want to get access to just how easy it is, I've created a report called The Simple Five-Step Process to Launch a Rockin' Podcast in Just 14 Days. And you can access that free report at the link you'll find on the show notes or at Heidi's website. And check it out. I mean, it's it really is not a difficult thing to do. I launched within 14 days of learning what a podcast was. So anyone can do it. Awesome. Well, you're the guru in my mind. So um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I really appreciate your sharing some of your bits of wisdom and look forward to seeing where it goes in the next phase. So thank you so much and look forward to speaking with you all again on the next Evolving Digital Self podcast. And thank you so much for joining us. Take care. Thank you for joining us for the Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. 
While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes.